This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today we're going to talk about the impact of Mao's famine in the late 1950s and early 1960s on Sichuan province in China. And the reason why we're focusing on Sichuan is because Sichuan was the, the breadbasket of China. It was a place of vast uh, abundance in terms of food resources, and yet it was a place where more than 10 million people starved to death during the Great Famine. Um, so it really does help us to examine this uh, particular catastrophe that Mao visited upon China. The famine that was the product of Mao's disastrous uh, Great Leap Forward, the second five-year plan that was uh, designed to uh, propel China uh, over the Soviet Union as the premier industrial power in the communist world and eclipse Great Britain uh, as uh, an economic power uh, which now sounds obviously absurd, but then uh, in the 1950s was uh, still seen by Mao as a, a significant economic uh, undertaking because of the uh, relative size of the British economy and of the uh, significance that uh, Britain had as one of the three great powers uh, that won the Second World War uh, and second fiddle only to the, to the USA, which Mao didn't believe it was possible to uh, overtake America uh, just yet. Um, at the time, there was significant reportage of the famine, which killed uh, some uh, estimates put at 40 million, uh, some uh, put significantly higher uh, people. Um, there were some reports in uh, the Western media, but it was never fully confirmed at the time that the famine had taken place. The uh, Chinese authorities were far more successful in concealing it uh, than the Soviet authorities had been, and China was actually that much more closed than the um, uh, Soviet Union uh, during the 1930s. Cormac O'Grada, who is um, one of the, the, the most in, important uh, theorists of famine working today, um, wrote 
uh, on he on Mao's famine in his book uh, Famine: A Short History that, although well aware of the crisis as gestures of solidarity, Mao reportedly ate no meat for seven months in 1960, and Zhou Enlai cut his monthly grain consumption to seven kilos. The authorities also concealed and denied the true scale of the disaster from their own people. Moreover, nervous or overzealous local officials failed to reveal the true extent of the problem to the centre. Grain continued to be exported during the famine, although exports were, sm were a small fraction, about 2% of output, and, were not, um, and was not uh, imported on a significant scale until 1961. The famine has been linked to policies pursued uh, in connection with the Great Leap Forward, including excessive procurements of grain from certain provinces, the forced diversion of agricultural labour from the countryside to, um, the, to industrial sites, the adoption of Trofim Denisovich Lysenko's erroneous ideas about um, close cropping of seed. If you recall a, a month or two ago, I did a, a whole um, podcast on Lysenko and JBS Haldane. Collective farming, the system of communal eating that eroded the incentive to conserve and economise on food, and an agricultural over-specialisation that may have eliminated the insurance provided by even limited crop diversification. So, what had happened in the run-up to the Great Famine? Um, and China had, uh, like Russia, a propensity to have famines, or at least kind of periods of hunger or dearth, um, once every uh, couple of decades or so. But the nature of peasant life had uh, adapted over the centuries to accommodate the regular occurrence of famines and crop failures and shortages, um, floodings that had destroyed uh, vast acreages of land. Uh, the way in which communal peasant life um, worked, collaborated, shared, swapped, stored and stockpiled food was a, an essential system for dealing with um, the, the regular occurrence of these sorts of natural disasters. What Mao did was swing a wrecking ball through centuries of uh, social development. Um, his kind of militant modernism, his belief in sweeping away with the past and declaring uh, a year zero in China and declaring uh, a new beginning, meant that uh, things that the uh, prejudices of the Communist Party viewed as archaic peasant practices um, were um, gotten rid of, um, small peasant ownership was replaced with collectivization, and as a result, some of the, the, the natural social institutions, customs uh, and economic practices that had uh, prevented uh, small famines turning into mass catastrophes were swept away. This and the forced requisitioning of grain create a nightmare scenario. So here now we're going to look at Tombstone, the memoir of Yang Zhisheng, um, and look at what he has to say about how this um, horror played itself out in Sichuan. He writes, Sichuan is known as Heaven's Pantry. Its superior natural conditions making it a breadbasket of China. Yet more than 10 million people starved to death here during the Great Famine. In March 1958, the Central Committee convened a conference in Sichuan's capital, Chengdu, during which it promoted the core concept of the Three Red Banners, the general line for socialist construction. 
The conference was held at Jininhua uh, Guest House, which provin- uh, where Provincial First Secretary Li Jingquan, a Mao loyalist, ensured that facilities conformed to Mao's living habits and security. It's worth recalling about Chengdu. Chengdu was the city that, in 1949, had been reduced to starvation. Uh, this, was, this was just a, a decade earlier. Um, by the People's Liberation Army in order to starve out uh, the Guomindang nationalists. Um, archaeological digs of the city uh, in the 1990s and 2000s have found uh, mass graves um, and um, huge evidence of um, starvation and mass killing uh, in the city uh, from uh, not just uh, a deprivation of food but a bombardment by artillery. Um, And this was the price that Mao believed that China needed to pay in order to be free of um, Chang's corrupt uh, semi-feudal nationalists. But the horrors upon which uh, Chengdu and the rest of China um, were uh, subjected to were arguably infinitely greater. Mao liked to uh, reassure himself um, of the efficacy of his policies. Um, Mao went to see uh, farms, he went to see dams being built, he went to see other public works, and asked, obviously frightened and sycophantic party apparatchiks, how well things were going. For example, on the 21st of March, Mao went from Chengdu to the uh, Guan County, Um, to view the Dujiang Dam. Um, He asked to know, will the dam ever be destroyed by flooding? And the answer was, of course, no, that would never happen. It's very strong. Mao asked, how about one million years from now? Um, There was nobody who dared offer a reply to, obviously, such an absurd question. Um, But afterwards, more concrete was added to the structure. One of the problems with dams built in uh, in China during the Great Leap Forward is that um, few engineers, or the few engineers that weren't in uh, prison following the um, Hundred Flowers campaign, um, the few engineers that understood the problem of silt. Chinese rivers carried an immense amount of it, and uh, a lot of silt is a lot of mass. And if you um, allow it to build up against the walls of a dam, for long enough, the dam will eventually break. There was um, evidence of dams having been built in the wrong place or dams being built to the wrong specification. So they inevitably failed with catastrophic results. And this was uh, done by taking vast amounts of peasant labour off the land. Hundreds of thousands of people in particular provinces were uh, removed from the land through the process of communalization. Um, Yang Zhisheng writes, On March the 16th, following a nap, Mao visited the countryside, and First Secretary Li accompanied him to Hongguang uh, Collective in Pi County. Local leaders had received advance notice of the visit. On entering the collective, Mao strode into a nearby courtyard, entourage in tow, ducking his head under the doorway of a thatched cottage. The dim-sighted 60-year-old woman of the house, Wen Yaoyang, uh, blinked in confusion and then alarm at the tall, sturdy fellow pushing his way uh, in with a crowd of cadres in his wake. 
Mao questioned her about her life in the collective, but all the responses were handled by the collective's deputy director, who planted himself at Madame Wen's side. A report on Mao's visit concluded, After the chairman left, there was a great rainfall that night, and the work point recorder of the number 24 work team said it was genuinely a case of flowers blooming where the dragon has trod. When asked his meaning, he said, Spring rain is as precious as oil. The chairman came to us in the afternoon, and that evening our Huangguang collective had rain, ensuring increased production for us this year. Have we not enjoyed special favour? So that in itself tells you um, a, a number of things. Mao's visits to the countryside were um, completely mediated by uh, his own staff. Um, he was not allowed really to hear any truth from the uh, peasants and wouldn't have wanted to uh, anyway. Um, the, um, it's doubtful that the woman whose house he strode into actually knew who he was. But it also shows you that the uh, peasant ideas of uh, luck, fortune, uh, of um, you know, religious conceptions of, of, of being blessed, um, that these had, had not really changed. The uh, communist rule had not particularly altered much of this culture, just kind of secularised it and placed, it, uh, placed Mao at the epicentre uh, of this. Later it was reported that from the evening of Mao's visit, all of Hongguang Collective was immersed in joy and excitement. Those fortunate enough to have encountered the great leader proudly recounted every detail to everyone around them, while, less fortunate, while the less fortunate could only sigh with regret. Everyone vied to shake the hand that had shaken Chairman Mao's hand in hopes of sharing that happiness. Long afterwards, the village re villagers recounted uh, and relived the great leader's every movement, movement, every expression on his face, every single word he uttered, while retracing every step and every footprint. Preparations were made to erect a happiness gate on the spot where Mao Zedong had alighted from his vehicle, while the tractor path he had walked down would be made into a happiness road, lined with cypress trees. There would be a memorial hall and a happiness pavilion. The field Mao had inspected would be named Happiness Field, and the gully he crossed would be spanned uh, across would spa uh, be spanned with a happiness bridge, and you you get the uh, um, the point here. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Um, much of this uh, gushing, uh, sort of faintly ludicrous outpouring was um, done in the context of mass terror across the countryside throughout the previous decade. Um, the anti-landlord campaigns and collectivisation had caused um, hundreds of thousands of uh, murders across the countryside, um, sanctioned by the party and carried out by the party. But often, ideas about a kind of a cult of personality surrounding Mao are related to the Cultural Revolution. But it's my contention that there was a cult of personality surrounding Mao that dated back to the 1930s itself. If you go back and look about three or four podcasts ago, well, it's probably longer than that now, um, about the writing of Red Star Over China by Edgar Snow, um, in a way, that is the, the beginnings of the Maoist cult of personality um, and the, the kind of the, the myth-making of Mao. So it, it's a far longer process than simply uh, that which occurs during the Cultural Revolution. In Sichuan, in order to hit the um, targets, the quotas for rice production, uh, places like Huangguang uh, Commune uh, began to try to present uh, a, a, a picture of success, where in reality um, little or nothing um, uh, had happened in terms of uh, increasing uh, grain yields. Um, so the Institute of Agricultural Science, when uh, its inspectors looked at the uh, amount of um, rice being produced in a particular acreage, suddenly realised that what had happened is no new rice plants had actually grown, that mature rice plants had been transplanted from other fields into that field um, in, order to, uh, in order to give the impression that um, Mao's targets were being met. So one of the reasons for the famine was that a, a there was a huge flow of misleading information coming back from a generally terrorised um, agricultural, agricultural rural population um, to the government um, that um, allowed the government to believe there was a success where in reality it didn't exist. And then there was the attempt to uh, bring industry to the agricultural economy by uh, encouraging peasants to establish smelting ovens, steel smelting ovens, um, in a, a short uh, period of time uh, in their villages. Um, Yang Zhisheng writes, During the steel forging campaign, hundreds of thousands of smelting ovens were erected in a matter of days, and smelting went on around the clock. Uh, when Jiang Prefecture, which had neither coal nor uh, iron ore mines, rounded up more than half a million of its strongest workers and sent them out smelt, um, in, in smelting core um, to the western hills. Where coal was lacking, trees were cut down to stoke the fires. The smelting core ate and slept in the mountains. When the smelting core of Chongqing County needed brick kilns, it commandeered the labour of tens of thousands of students, workers, cadres and local residents to dismantle the city walls and move bricks up the mountain around the clock. Every work unit in every town and city had stoves burning and the metal implements of every household right down to family heirlooms and grandma's hairpins 
were cast into the ovens to be turned into useless lumps of pig iron. Part of the, the reason for this uh, kind of absurdity came down to one of the central uh, tenets of Maoist thought, that uh, by motivating the entire peasant population of China, or the entire population as a whole, in one go, that anything was achievable um, through uh, national unity, through social unity, and through the direction by the state of all individuals, then anything could be uh, accomplished. And it's certainly true in China that China's vast population has played to it um, uh, as a, a kind of a, a, a key historical advantage on a number of occasions. However, um, the, the, the fact is that um, science, technological understanding, engineering and uh, chemical and metallurgical processes uh, cannot be um, overcome without a mass skilled trained workforce and also without a, a leadership willing to listen to expert advice. The idea that experts could urge caution um, was a, a kind of an anathema to Mao, much as it had been for Hitler. Out of the kind of the, uh, the, 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 the triumvirate of the three great dictators of the 20th century, it was Stalin who, despite um, various uh, similar disasters, uh, was periodically inclined um, to listen to uh, what experts had to say. Um, only, obviously, to, to purge them uh, when it suited him uh, fairly shortly afterwards. So the famine in Sichuan um, lasted for the longest period of time. It, it struck in the winter of 1958, and it lasted until the autumn of 1962. And starvation deaths there persisted for longer than in any other part of China. In Mianzhu uh, County's um, uh, Hongqi uh, commune, or the Red Flag commune, 115 communal kitchens that served 26,498 people ran out of food by the end of February 1959. Um, the communal kitchens um, were uh, replacements for uh, domestic eating arrangements, so uh, quite literally cooking utensils, stoves uh, and other um, uh, cooking uh, paraphernalia had been removed from uh, millions of homes across China and people were forced to eat from uh, communally shared uh, eating halls and messes and kitchens um, that meant that the government could regulate the amount of food that people received and that eating was a, a state-dictated affair um, and not a, a, a private matter. The communal kitchens uh, then used uh, feed grain reserved for livestock and some used seed grain as well. So when feed grain and seed grain are gone, then there is literally nothing to feed animals with or, project or prepare, create new crops with the following year. A few people had the strength for labour, and the workday was shortened. And as livestock died off, so did food supplies, uh, but the party simply ignored the fact that there was a problem at all. During a meeting of prefectural party secretaries on, the f on February the 27th, 1959, it was said that some comrades believe that high-yield satellites are fake. Um, high-yield, that means really high-yield uh, communes and prefectures. 
What kind of problem is this lack of faith in other people's experience? At another meeting on March 19th, it was said uh, of the mass die-off of pigs, if three or four million pigs died, that's a small proportion since we had a total of 37 million pigs in the province before December. Probably half were slaughtered to eat and some died of illness. Fewer pigs died in the poor production teams and more in the wealthier teams. The well-to-do middle peasants didn't take good care of the pigs and some landlords and rich peasants might even have killed some. I would say there were one million pigs that shouldn't have died. It belongs to the category of nine fingers versus one finger. Um, basically, nine fingers versus one finger is was a kind of a Maoist aphorism for minimising problems, saying whilst there might be nine good things going on and one bad thing going on, let's not really kind of uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, and this willful ignorance allows the famine to worsen. Um, the whole point of having reliable information about social conditions is that you are able to act. Um, in Changning uh, County's Taoping community, uh, where the communal kitchens had closed down by May the 25th, 1959, commune members had to basically survive uh, for themselves in eating wild herbs and clay, which is you find out throughout the famine that um, in different parts of China, clay is something that Chinese people fill their stomachs with to stop themselves from feeling hunger, but it causes unbearable pain and obviously all sorts of uh, horrendous gastric problems and, and illnesses. Um, in Dahe uh, administrative district, 219 people starved to death in April, and by June another 218 had died. By July the 6th, 560 people had died, which was 6.64% of the local population. And it's worth remembering that the people that ate were normally party members, party cadres. Yang Jisheng writes, The assignment of all food supply to the communal kitchens and the prohibition against cooking at home put life-or-death power in the hands of cadres, the local party organisers, enabling them to seize public property and enforce official privilege. While peasants ate gruel, cadres ate rice. While peasants ate vegetables, cadres ate meat. While peasants ate only a mouthful of meat, cadres ate several days' worth. The staff of the communal kitchens held the ladles and therefore enjoyed the greatest power in distributing food. This, uh, they could dredge a richest stew from the bottom of the pot while merely skim a few vegetable slices uh, from thin broth near the surface. Uh, staff could also creep back to cook something for themselves in the dead of night and carry food home for the family members. These key postings typically went to relatives or trusted confederates of the cadres. Uh, there's an interesting uh, parallel there in uh, the, the Drowned and the Saved, Primo Levi's uh, accounts of survival in Auschwitz. He always talked about being at the back of the queue for soup, because that meant that one got to got the uh, the dregs of the soup, which is where um, any any vegetables, anything with any nutrients at all, could be found at the bottom of the pot, uh, and it was these things these these things that. Um, made it more likely that he would survive. Okay, so let's finish there. Thanks very much. And um, I will talk a bit more about the famine in the coming months. It's one of those um, huge, huge events of the 20th century that goes largely undiscussed uh, for reasons various. And so let's really try to focus on it a bit more here.
Um, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.